You are watching the propaganda report that makes me want to flip over my couch and set it on fire and run through a wall. Listen to that song, Cam. It really got me <laughs> jacked up. I love it. Very exciting. I am joined today with the co-host of the Mad Ones podcast and well, prolific for now, memer, Cam for now, For now, I'm just the host. Jessica's really? taking a break, so it's, it's just me for now, uh, which is a different experience. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I can relate to that as well. It's definitely different doing a solo show versus having uh, a co-host there to to help you out. It's a, it's crazy the amount of of information you know that you uh, realize that that you have to put in and, and research you have to put in when you aren't bouncing ideas and and getting response from somebody, whether it be uh, a, a co-host and the chat. The group chat always helps as well. Yeah. Uh, so I can relate to that. I, I hope everything is uh hope everything is well over there. And <laughs> the top story that I want to talk about today, anyway, is we we've been seeing a lot going on about how we are in a dangerous time in the republic. Well, the democracy they call it. They don't know anything about what a republic is. But we're at a dangerous time because look at Arizona. Look at all these places where Trumpian people who question the 2020 results are winning elections, even though a lot, a lot of them are apparently being funded by Democrats. That's according to the narrative anyway. And this is a dangerous point in time that they're winning. And what if they actually end up beating the Democrats in the, the midterm elections when they go up against them? So they're winning the primaries. What if they beat the Democrats? And so much to the point of where I think that the, the top story related to this today is that Dick is back. <laughs> it is returned. Dick Cheney, I'm referring to, obviously, he has come out with a new anti-Trump ad following in the footsteps of his daughter. And there's a CNN segment that plays this ad within the segment, and they do their commentary as well. I think all of it is worth deconstructing and, yeah. and hearing your thoughts on. So I'm going to pop that in to the, the stream yard here. Okay, what do I do with that? Here we go. I, I hope you like hearing me angry. Well, if Dick Cheney makes you angry, then yes, we're going to be hearing you angry. Getting into our newsroom, a new uh, Liz Cheney ad, and she uses a familiar face um, to talk about some of this Trumpism. So let's watch that. I love that. I want to stop it there. This Trumpism. So that's the way that they yeah. identify anybody who questions the election in 2020, who says it's not the most perfect election that's ever existed, because that is the operating premise. It was the most pristine, perfect election. You know, Trump would always say, it's perfect, it's beautiful. That's what this election was. It was perfect, and it was beautiful, while 2016 was the worst election ever. If you have any other opinion that this one was perfect, then you are a uh, Trumpian-like. So that, that's the, those are inseparable in the way they report on this stuff. Well, not to mention, you see this guy on the, the left, though, is I forget his first name, something Walsh. Yep. Uh, he was the guy who was like running against Trump and trying to be the antithesis of the Trump Republican. Yep. Yeah, he was definitely. So, I mean, the, like, it, he's there. We'll get so, into he, it. he's like the black woman you bring on Fox News. Okay. He's right. the Republican you bring on CNN. He's, he's the Liz Cheney of this little segment here. Yep. Okay. In our nation's 246 year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. All right, I'm going to stop please. it there. 
so so first of all, we obviously know that he lied over weapons of mass destruction. And there's you know, everybody remembers that. Apparently the CNN reporters here are gonna forget that. They're not gonna bring that up. But I don't know what coffin they had to pull him out of to do this. It's they, you see how quickly he's rushing through his lines there. I feel like this was the either five thousandth take or the first take because he is just speeding through these lines because I, I don't feel like he's in shape enough to be there. And did he not famously shoot somebody's face? While yes. in a hunting accident, and they have him out here. If you're watching this, uh, if you're listening to this only, Dick Cheney is sitting in the woods with a cowboy hat on, though, as though he's on a hunting trip during this video right now. Is that uh, they know that? Okay, they know they're triggering thoughts of that. So this is some sort of weird psyop that's going on with all this, which I haven't quite figured out yet. Uh, but it's definitely very weird. And let me hear your thoughts, and we'll hear what they have to say about it. Well, there are two statements in there that really blew my mind. The first one being that Trump is the most dangerous man to our democracy in our 236-year history, which, you know, if that's true, um, based. Um, but if if what he means – because they always use the word democracy instead of, like, the nation or the, the country. It's always our democracy because he didn't destroy America. I'm surprised he, he didn't say since 1619. I mean, to interrupt you. I'm surprised he didn't say since since 1619 when our country right. And <laughs> there have been far more dangerous people since our the beginning of our country. Uh, which you know, this is controversial, of course, but there was a whole war in our in our country that was our country versus our country, where one president told one general to go down to Atlanta and burn it. So, I mean, maybe maybe he was a little bit more dangerous to our country than than Donald Trump was, maybe. And, you know, the second phrase, which I, I'm going to tie it into the first thing that he said, was that a real man doesn't lie to his constituents, I think is what he <laughs> said, or his supporters. Um, I'm sorry, dude. You lied to the world, not just your supporters, the world. You lied there to is, America. Yeah. You, they, he roped freaking Colin Powell into lying about it. You've heard, I've heard conversation from Colin Powell after that point that said, I knew something wasn't right when I went in there, but they told me I needed to go in and say these things. And like, this is one of the masterminds of the war on terror that has killed what? Hun at least tens of thousands of our own kids, right? And it's, it's killed, uh, what, a million Iraqis? So, I mean, oh, this, yeah, who knows? This is a man who is more dangerous to everyone's country and everyone's sovereignty than Trump could ever have been because he's pr proven it. He got some skin in the game and he did some evil and vile sh crap. I almost cursed, caught it. Um, because he's this is one of the most evil people on the planet who just casually casually accidentally shot his friend in the face while on a, a hunting trip with a shotgun. He has like a 17 year old kid's heart in his chest. How many heart transplant this old ancient fossil has had? I don't he doesn't know. doesn't look but good it, in this clip. He doesn't sound good. He sounds like he's that heart's running on its last limb. But like, like I said, if you want to hear me get mad, play Dick Cheney in front of me, because this is a, this is one of the worst people in American history, bar none. Well, like if that, it, yeah, if he had been president instead of George W. Bush, I think he would have been the worst president rather than um, – what's his name? Uh, the Wilson, rather than Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson is arguably the worst president that ever existed. But if he had been president, I would have voted full-on Dick Cheney, period. 
You would have voted full on Dick Cheney if he had been president. Yeah, yeah. If if Dick Cheney had been president, I would have voted for him as the worst president over oh, Woodrow see, Wilson, over Obama, over Trump, over anyone. It would be him because he he killed more of our people than many other presidents. Well, I know now that to upset you, all I got to do is whip out the D, and yeah, you'll get yeah, very dude, upset. Do it, not it, pull it, out. <laughs> Is he not this guy, or was it maybe it was Rumsfeld that was at one of these panel discussions talking about how he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations? Don't tell his constituents that. It was either him. Oh, I don't no. know. I can't. It was one of those two. I wish I would have found that clip before the show, but it was either him or Rumsfeld that said something like that. But yeah, this guy's been one of the most hated men on the right, just as George W. was. But now we have George W., who is like Michelle Obama's pet cat. And we have Dick Cheney starring in an ad for his daughter, but it's really this. We know his daughter's not going to win. This is an ad for Democrats to spread the Demo- the the message of the Democrats, so they can say, "Look, this right winger even hates Trump because they want to say that all these Trumpian candidates are a threat to democ- to the well, very foundation of our country." Well, and, and these. These people on the left, Liz Cheney, uh, what's his name, Kinzing, Kinzinger, Kinzinger, several of these people, Dick Cheney, these are, they, they act, they're helpful to the Democrats because they're far more centrist and far more to the left than Trump was, which even even Trump is, is essentially a New York liberal. But, you know, this guy's more left definitely. than him. Yeah. And you, I mean, look at, uh, definitely to the left of Ronald Reagan. Um, but they, you have these guys out there, these neocons that are fighting to come back in charge of the Republican Party, which, of course, Mitch McConnell, who is a neocon, and uh, Lindsey Graham, who is a neocon, are still pretty highly ranked within the Republican Party. But that's who they want to bring out. And people are like, oh, he's from the right. The right's disagreeing with the right. No, the neocons came from the left. I don't know if you knew this. They were Trotskyites. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were conservatives in name only. Exactly. It's 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 incredible to me. And yes, I, I told you, I hope you want to see me get mad because I am I went on Tucker Carlson's show to talk about a joke I made and started talking anti-war like that's just who I am. I, I want to punch this man in the head. Right. Well, is he on the list go. now? I need it. I need it. You got to keep this list up, man. Well, he's definitely going to be on the list. And I have to say, it looks like a weekend at Bernie's thing going on here. It really does look like they had to work really hard to get him out to hear this message. Just, I want you to just listen, just to listen to the way he yeah. delivers the message. He's clearly out of it. But Please they drug him out and propped him up more. here. And then it's going to go into their commentary on it. And I want to hear you know, what your thoughts are on some of their commentary on them. Because this has been the similar theme that they've been pushing. But to have Dick Cheney, literally roll out Dick Cheney, who looks horrible. I- I'm sorry. The guy does not look good. Put him in a cowboy hat and prop him up in the woods where he shot somebody's face off to deliver this progressive and, message. And, and let's talk about how this man is in Wyoming, presumably, where it's roughly 92 degrees right now, and he's wearing <laughs> all of that gear. He's it's got like, that you, vest on and that long sleeve shirt, yeah. A felt hat. I mean, this dude is dressing like he's about to die because he's so cold. He could be and dead already, probably, no. They could have just put some <laughs> electrical shocks into him and somehow pulled this message out of him. No, this, this dude's like, like Voldemort or uh, Sauron. There's something out there, some horcrux, some one ring that won't and, let him die until it's you destroyed. Know, I had read where they used to refer to him as Voldemort back in the day when they hated him, and yet now they're praising, uh, uh, Vo- what's his name from Ukraine? Zelensky, um, yeah, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. They Volodymyr. Yeah. They used to hate Voldemort. They love Voldemir nowadays. 
Here's 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 Cheney again. Listen to how he kind of slurs through this. Then we'll hear what their commentary on okay. it is. But he Sorry. knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. The guy's asleep in the ad. All right, here's the response from the <laughs> CNN anchors and the pretend Republican who's got that snooty, pretentious look on his face like he's about to say something insightful. Mm. How about that? He's shaking his head going, mm-mm. Wow, can you believe how powerful that message was from this dead guy? What a beautiful <laughs> message. How about that, Ron? Well, you know, bring it, bring it, bring it. Okay, so you probably could faintly hear it, but the CNN anchor, what is that, Dana Bush, Dana Bash? Is that her name? I don't know. It's one of those two. And she says, <laughs> she said, she says, you know, wow. So what do you guys think? And the Republican that you pointed out, I can't remember his name, but the uh, Walsh, she's got Joe Walsh, Walsh in the background. Joe Walsh, yeah. Joe Walsh, he's shaking his head going, wow, wow, just faintly saying wow because he is so moved by that message. What a fraudulent response. There's nobody's moved by that message. That message was phoned in. That was a very poor ad, actually. If you actually were doing a real ad, you would at least get a little bit – at least they get more energy out of Joe Biden than they do. I mean he looked like half of Joe Biden in that. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe they're putting Cheney out there to make Joe Biden look like he's got some some energy to him because that I haven't seen somebody that – you know, half dead in an ad since I've seen Joe Biden give a speech. Right. He looks more dead. It it goes to the point that that the congressman was making about kind of the evolution of the Republican Party. I mean, it was only 15 years ago that that Cheney was considered the conservative, Dick Cheney was considered the conservative end of the GOP. Democrats called him Voldemort, right? Uh, And now, because he ascribes to a vision of conservatism that is centered on small government, strong national defense, uh, as opposed to this sense of grievance about being displaced in a changing and diverse diversifying country, uh, he's kind of, you know, uh, on the outs uh, in this in this party. And, you know, Liz Cheney is, I think, a perfect embodiment, uh, highly unlikely to win her primary. Um, but she symbolizes a lot of, you know, this roughly one quarter to one fifth somewhere in there of Republican voters who are deeply uneasy with the Trump direction, but yet have continued to vote for candidates uh, advancing it uh, on the grounds that they like Democrats even less. What does she do going forward? I want to pause there because I see you have something to say. I am now wondering if if Dick Cheney's daughter is going to run for president. Oh, probably. No, did did I hear him right in saying in describing Dick Cheney as small cons, small government yeah, conservative? He's a small government conservative man, he's just a good guy. I mean, that's that's what's going through my head because I you can't be a small government conservative and and then bomb the whole world. That's not how that works. <laughs> These people. We're reporting on how this guy was like, he even mentioned it. Like you said, they used to call him Vladimir yeah, because they talked about him being evil. Oh, how the tides have turned. And they're also obviously full of it. You can see a globalist agenda when one, I mean, I've never seen one so obvious than in the presentation we're seeing from CNN and MSNBC and even Fox News in a lot of ways. You want me to keep going, or did you, you no, got anything I, else you want to get? I, I don't. I don't. I don't have anything else. I just, just make sure that, you have an, that, an area to vent your your anger here. That point, right? Oh, he's a small. He was Voldemort, and he's a small government conservative yeah, who is on his guy. way out. He, he just like, wants Whoa. power to go to the little guys all, and he's just trying to stand up oh. and fight for what's right, you know? Because that January sixth quote insurrection, and as you can see here, Joe Walsh has something to say. You can tell by the. Uh, um, the look uh, on his dumb face. Look, uh, <laughs> I can't even earmuffs, earmuffs. I'll give you two seconds. Earmuffs. He just he looks like he's about to run his cock holster. Is what he looks like to me. And I will refrain from using language like that for the the rest of the, the DMB. 
forward? What do they do going forward? What does Dick Cheney, George W. Bush do going forward? I think it's a critical question for how American politics evolves and how great this threat to democracy becomes uh, in the next several years. Joe, you can't really call Dick Cheney a rhino. So what do you think the response yeah. to that ad will be? No, you can't, Allison. But again, I'm called a rhino every day. And you know, I'm the crazy tea party guy. Look, at he's the crazy tea party guy. This guy, Joe Walsh, is the crazy tea party guy. What do you, <laughs> Cam's, if you're, if you're only listening to Cam's brain just exploded all over his room, I can see fragments of it on his fan on the back wall back there with his snakes are chewing on little brain fragments of it because Joe Walsh has called himself the crazy tea party guy. Yeah. Can continue so, or do you want to comment on that? He's, he was such a crazy tea party guy that I never heard of him. He's such a crazy tea party guy that when Ron Paul started it, he wasn't there with him. He's such a crazy tea party guy that he ran against Trump and, and used the neocon points. I, I need this to be the XR so I can curse. Well, you can hold those things. Uh, yeah, I just let one out. We have a comment here from Cornelius Wolfshirt that says the guy on the left talking about Joe Walsh looks kind of Epsteiny, almost one of the you know one from the farm, and he does look very Epsteiny. He does a very Epsteiny like tan, like they go to the same tanning bed. They always they, they either look like turtles or Epstein. I I feel like these days because turtle the dude Epstein's. on the right, total turtle guy. <laughs> Turtles and Epstein. That's how you spot people who've been to Epstein's Islands. They look like turtles or they just look like uh, Jeffrey Epstein themselves. All right, let's see. Oh. You're about to hear what he has to say. Dude, but just... Go ahead. Go one ahead. last thing. One last thing. Literally, um, two or three months ago, uh, he did a show with... with uh, What's that kid's name? David Hogg. Oh, yeah. And plastered it on Twitter. You know, Hogg has a, a mustache now. So he's an adult. I, I just oh my oh my god! I, <laughs> uh. Look, I I don't get too many tweets like yours. You, you get tweets to get hundreds and hundreds of likes. I don't really do too much tweeting, but I did see a tweet the other day where somebody they tweeted, "What the f is pegging?" And I just responded with, <laughs> "Ask David Hogg." <laughs> nice. I got more likes than I usually do on tweets. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I just, Oh, look at his smile. Yes, let's let's hear what he has to say in the reaction, then we can vent oh, that anger. No, you can't, Allison. But again, I'm called a rhino every day, and you know I'm the crazy tea party guy. Look, every word Dick Cheney said in that ad is spot on. But here's the deal. Liz Cheney's going to lose in a couple weeks, and she's going to lose soundly because the Republican Party base doesn't give a damn about any of that stuff anymore. They are enthralled with this notion of a strong man and a dictator. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? A strong man and a dictator? Talking about <laughs> Dick Cheney? Okay, Not to mention, I saw a tweet the other day that said... Uh, it was someone that it was like literally typed out the other day. It was some blue check corporate media idiot. And they said, you know, uh, for the first time in American history under Trump, we had a, a totalitarian leader. And I'm like, <laughs> when were things totalitarian? Yes. It's like every, I got so oppressed. My thoughts were so oppressed and I was so afraid everywhere I went. It's unbelievable. <sighs> All right. Brown, Can I just Sam, have, very quickly, Ron, go. Real quick. 
very quick. There are so many conservative pundits who are trying to make the case that the Republican Party has moved beyond Trump. Look at Arizona. Look at Michigan. Election deniers in all of the top offices. What's going to top offices nominate? What's going to happen with Liz Cheney? This is a party that is still largely in his thrall and even more than him personally is animated by the same things that he brought to the service. Okay, on that that point of agreement, uh, Ron Brownstein. You see that? Amen. They said amen to that. Okay, I thought he said animated at the same time the other guy did. And I was like, oh, this was a script. But apparently he said amen. Yeah, well, it, it was a script. It does seem like it was a script to me. And they didn't bring up uh, the conversation about how the Democrats are funding millions of dollars worth these candidates as part right. of their operation. So they, they're conflicted in the way they're reporting on this on CNN. And to me, this seems like some sort of weird trap. And I don't know exactly what the point of it is yet. But the fact that CNN and others are openly saying, well, what's up with these Democrats that are funding these far right-wing radicals who dared to question the 2020 election and what happens if they end up winning they're they are not they're showing democracy doesn't work if this is what happens and i think maybe that's yeah. the point of it well i think democracy trying to do that democracy to them does not mean what it means to you or me or what it meant to the greeks no, it doesn't mean no. that the majority rule matters it means that if they didn't get their way then it's not democracy right they want like pure democracy which the founders were against is pure that's why it was a republic and not a, a pure democracy but what if what if these candidates were going to win anyway you know what if yeah. the candidates that question the election were going to win anyway and so what they did is they sent all of these activists to go fund and vote for these candidates so that it makes it look like they only won because they were funded and because democrats voted for it to delegitimize the fact that more of the country actually shares those beliefs than actually shares the beliefs of these radical democrats what if they were trying to cloud that fact and then when it gets to the election then when the midterms happen and the 20 and those those candidates win people who question the 2020 election then they can say well they only were able to get there because democrats got them there and there was no legitimacy to the fact of them actually getting there so it's actually not legitimate they can then say democracy and the vote is not legitimate and they can actually claim elections that were won legitimately or would have been won legitimately were actually illegitimate because of what the democrats did i had a thought just now um and it was because i was thinking about because i i, I was going to stop that you should put that on a t-shirt i don't mean to interrupt you i had a thought just now because i was thinking should be on a t-shirt <laughs> well i was thinking about um dick cheney and them using him as the anti-trump yep and i was going to say you know it it doesn't make any logical sense to have the butcher of Baghdad be seen as the better choice than Trump. Like that doesn't work. And then I realized, no, that's what they want. They want you to have to choose between a authoritarian totalitarian idea or the butcher of Baghdad. Right. And so at that point you have no good choices except to look outside of the Republican party where they are. They want, they want you to think, oh, you know what? Maybe the Democrats aren't as bad as I thought. They want this is this is just a ploy to confuse the the undecided, the 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 ding dongs in the center to vote for Democrats instead of these crazy Republicans. I, I think that is definitely one possibility. I also think that they're trying to delegitimize the 
the vote by having Democrats do it, by having Democrats yeah. fund these candidates. I think that in a lot of the, these situations that those candidates would win legitimately without the help of Democrats, but they want to delegitimize it by having it look like Democrats well, did it. And, and, they want to de- and, and they also want to make it seem as though anybody who questions the 2020 election is like a loyalist Trumpist person. No, that's not the case. Yeah. That's absolutely not the case. There's a lot of people who question the election for the sake of questioning the election. You know, 2016 was the worst, and you should question 2020. You should never question. But they want to make it seem as though anybody who says, hey, maybe there were some problems that can be proven through a court of law, they want to be able to demonize that person immediately by calling them Trumpian. And that's another part of all this going on. I interrupted oh, you a moment ago. No, you're good. No, you, you're good. I <laughs> I did forget what it was, but no, you were. You, I I tried to interrupt you. So technically, I was in the wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it's just looking at this situation is just mind numbing to me. Right. You know, it like, really I, is, I, dude. It, it, but, oh, that's, that's what it was. The psych psyop. So yeah, go ahead. Well, they're they're trying to delegitimize Trump. They're trying to delegitimize these different these Trump publicans or whatever. But you have to look at who they're talking to. This is not a new play for them, delegitimizing movements. Because like it or not, Ron Paul kind of started what we now what we called the uh what was the word he used? He called himself a um tea party, crazy tea party guy. Ron Paul <laughs> was right. pa- patient zero of the Tea Party movement, which they were against bush they were against cheney they were against the the stupid um bailouts and stuff like that but what they did is they started planning in the the michelle bachman's they started planning into this movement the uh that guy from texas perry uh rick perry rick perry Um, yeah they planted these different people into the Tea Party movement to completely de- delegitimize it and just bring it back to the <laughs> the neocon. Apparently, movement. Joe Walsh here too. He's the crazy Tea yeah. Party guy. <laughs> yeah, he's the crazy Tea Party guy, and <laughs> yeah. and they they delegitimize that. Why and not then, have Ron Paul on then? If if they're gonna have that guy on, of course, because he's yeah, not right. the crazy Tea Party guy, obviously. Right, yeah. but. But then you look at what happened after that because there was a huge liberty movement in 2008 and 2012 because of Ron Paul. That's when I found out I became anti-war because of a speech Ron Paul made. Um, but you you go down time. Uh, the, the Libertarian Party sucks. They don't offer anyone good. You have essentially the death of the liberty movement after 2012. Like I, if, if you're being honest, that's when it died. They're trying to wake it up again now. Sure. But it died. And you know who filled the space after Ron Paul in 2016 was Donald Trump because he did use some America first stuff. He did use yeah. some anti-war rhetoric. Ted he Cruz tried the, to. Ted up. Cruz tried to like label himself as that. I can't remember how he did it exactly. Oh, but he did it was try and so embarrassing because he tried yeah. to do that while he was on a debate stage with Rand Paul. Right. I, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Like I was like, you dingbat. But no, Trump gathered a lot of those people. Not all of. Not all of them, obviously, but not me. But this is what they do. They are just trying to destroy this movement once again. And I, I think the move, I think Trump destroyed it in a lot of ways. And the the people who were uber nationalists have ruined it in a lot of ways. But I mean, like if Trump actually said what he believed in the first few 
about his non-interventionist kind of ideas, his instincts to not be at war, if he'd continued with that and surrounded himself by good people like Rand Paul, like, um, I can't name anyone else, like Ron Paul, oh, that's all I'll give you. I don't, I don't care for the rest. Thomas Massey isn't bad. Like if he had talked to these people and he kept that up and he'd gone with his instincts instead of listening to, to cocaine Mitch and Lady Graham, the, I think we would have had a much different presidency from Trump. We would have a much better one. But I yeah. don't think he actually has any like central ideas or principles. He just has he has some good instincts and he but then he repeats whatever the last person said to him. Well, he, he represents opposition to the state, whether he actually believes in that or not. That, right. that that is what he was able to garner people under and that is what Ron Paul was is a whole, you know, against the state and that was a position that was able to be co-opted, and it can continue to be co-opted by somebody who can speak in the right way. And, and Trump is somebody who, in some ways, he does represents that opposition to the state, or he he seemingly does, but in other ways, he he very much does not. Right. And that was part of my whole I had a whole Batman theory that I actually presented before Trump ran for election, like in twenty fifteen, as he was after he announced it, he was running. I presented a, an idea. I was like. Well, whether you like, I think I've told you this before, whether you like Trump or whether you don't, it's the whole Batman theory in that if you go open and you go against them openly like Ron Paul did, you're not, you're going to get asked questions that are ridiculous on the media and you're going to rip your mic off and you're going to run off and you're not going to get the attention. They're going to lie about you. Or you got to do it as Batman. You got to pretend to be one of the people who you're fighting against and you yeah. got to work your way through on the inside. And I'm not saying that Trump is that. I'm absolutely not saying that, but I'm saying that. The fact is, it can be so hard to distinguish that yeah. that you know whether someone is being real or not. And if you're gonna go in, you're gonna you know implode it from the inside. I think that's what I think that would be a method that people who had the resources to do would try. I'm not saying Trump yeah. is that person, but I'm just saying that that is something that we should keep in mind. Where there's going to be outward opposition, then there's unfortunately going to be the hard to distinguish from the uh, enemy. Uh, the inward opposition, and that's just. I think we all just have to like. Honestly, I think that thinking about stuff in that way can get to be, get us in a mindset of uh, us against the world. And I don't think that's the way to think about it. I think that's actually the way they want us to think about it. I think they want them to. They want us to think that they're all more powerful than they actually are when they're actually just human beings. And I think that the more we focus on like the steps we can take in front of us and, and the the communications we can have with people that we know and we interact with and and there and we can open people's eyes in that way. I think that is where our power lies. I think that it, it, may, it disempowers us by focusing on that grand power structure. I just went off on a little bit of a rant there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I tend to do that when I think about when it comes to, you know, do we trust this person in power? Do we not trust this person in power? Honestly, I think we start from a default of not trusting whoever it is. Yeah. And I think we question them, especially if we identify with them more. The more we identify with them, the more we should question them actually, because that is who is in a better place to manipulate us. It really yeah. is. They're not going to put well, the, their propaganda messages in, in Hillary Clinton's mouths if they're trying to influence us. They're going to put it in the mouths of somebody who we are more likely to to believe. So, yeah, that's my little rant on that. No, and I, 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 I was when Trump came out, I didn't like him, and I honestly missed out on so much of the humor because I was in that kind of phase where I still kind of cared about who was president in major ways. I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. And I don't care. It's a dog and pony show and the elites are pulling the strings in so many ways. Uh, but I, that's, it's just interesting to see how they try to 
make themselves look good and others look bad. And it's, totally, it's, totally. it's, it's just, it's like tired. What was, what was the thing that they, that like the, them telling us over and over again that they're trustworthy and they're going to rebuild our trust and they they're can, continuing they can, you can trust to do us. That. Yeah. You know, I saw an article and I hadn't gone into it, but it was like the CNN is backing off from replacing its anchors. And I think it was because they're, they're behaving in more trustworthy ways. And I, I've been monitoring this because this was a World Economic Forum theme. The mainstream media must become more trustworthy. And so we see Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper with the lead, State of the Union, Jake Tapper. And we see Brian Stelter and we see them pretend to push back on their guests but they, they, and ask questions. But they ask the stupidest questions. Like yeah. they, they don't ever ask actual probing questions. Well, and I, I did a show, uh, I think a couple weeks ago where I was like, look, here was an opportunity for Bri where Brian Stoucher was pretending to be trustworthy where he actually was not because the question he would have asked was not what he asked. And I, I can't, it's, I can't remember it specifically. It's not, it's uh, slipping my mind, but it was something about the, the, the January six hearings where he was just asking about other, other witnesses when what he really could have asked about, cause it was uh, the conversations they're trying to muddy the waters and what a real investigation is from the DOJ and what an investigation is from the January 6th committee, which are very different things. The yeah. DOJ has nothing. They have no evidence. Like the January 6th committee keeps saying there's evidence of this and evidence of that, but they don't actually say a specific statute that's been violated. I went to law school. I, I did not graduate law school. I went to law school for two years. Mm -hmm. I, won a, I won a brief writing award. I won for advocacy. So I didn't quit law school because I wasn't doing good at it. I was doing well at it. So like I understand how it works. I, I quit for other reasons. But like the way that they're laying out a case with with a Jan six hearings, it's not how you lay out a, an effing case. It's no. just not. But what they try to do is say, well, we're going to recommend the investigation. But there was an interview from the the DOJ guy who said very clearly, and I played the clip. He said, "Well, nothing that they they actually say in the D, the hearings are actually meaningless." He, he said that it's meaningless. He he said that it's all meaningless, but they try to confuse the public and make them think it's meaningful. And it's just this mass confusion, propaganda, psychological warfare operation that's going on that like, you know, I know that the way that we make our living, you and I, is through digital media. Yep. But like, I really think it's beneficial to stay away from it. I do. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I totally do. Because it's, I think that most people are thinking and they, they can they can sift through it, but like they try and overwhelm us through movies and film, through through uh, the things that we like the most. They try to slip those messages in, but I think it's getting too obvious, honestly. And I think they're trying to figure out new ways to reach us because I think their old ways of reaching us are starting to dull. I don't think they're working as well. And I think that's you, a good thing. Do you think that they are incompetent on purpose or this is just they're just incompetent because i mean question to really because i mean who, who do they try to reach with with him i think the, the best people that they can reach with dick cheney are potentially um centrists who don't have any knowledge of the past 20 years you know, you know th th that's a really good question it's 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 hard to it's hard to tell because you're right some of the candidates say tap you don't want to tap somebody who has a, a, a good understanding of the history of all this you want to tap somebody who maybe has a good understanding of business and has a good understanding of influence but but not that i i can't answer that question i i just i always revert back to that our best defense to all of this is asking questions yeah. especially when we feel we are 100% influenced. When we feel completely bought into something is when I think, honestly, that we should question the most because I think that is when we're most vulnerable. Well, I mean, you look at this, um, and it, it doesn't, like like I said, it's it's hard to imagine 
who it is unless they're looking for an uneducated, uh, historically inept block of centrists. But at the same time, you're talking about the 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 DOJ's case for January 6th and the what Congress's, and you have to realize that what's going on, and you know this better than anyone, but there is no case, and they're not laying out a case because this is this is the people right. versus OJ Simpson. You know, this is this is not the people. This is not a real trial. This is not a real thing. They just want you to be so poisoned to Trump that right. it doesn't matter what anyone says. What because they right. impeached the dude twice and lost. Right, and it's not just Trump too. It's people they can label as Trumpian. So right. you can not like Trump, but also question the election. This is something I was talking about the other day. Is those two things can be possible. You can not like Trump at all. You can never yeah. have voted for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. And you can still question the election. But they do not want to differentiate between those. They want yeah. to think anybody who questions the election, anybody who questions mask mandates, anybody who isn't vaccinated or who isn't boosted, they want to associate all of that with Trump and all of that with negative things. And, and, and they want to then ultimately, to take it to the extreme, label them as the Nazi, the enemy of democracy, and what must be fought against. And I honestly think that most people, I know a lot of progressives, a lot of Democrats who are like not voting for the Democrats in their state in the midterms because they were not happy that the person they vote, voted for previously pushed all the mandates. Yeah, these people are now put in a position where they're either going to be labeled as a Trumpian person, which they weren't at all, or they're going to be forced to vote for the person that they acted that they have been expressly against because of the mandates they put in. And that is, they want to put people in that position morally and psychologically and emotionally to try and sway the vote in the midterms so that the Democrats can can win in the midterms. Which I I, I think is a desperate attempt that I don't think is going to work. Yeah. Well, and I, I saw, I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day, but uh, this old lady was replying to something and she's like, I'm, it's my 68th eighth birthday and all I want is for a blue wave. And I quote tweeter and I said, you're just sad that your red wave went away two decades ago. Uh, right. Totally. And, <laughs> and it's like, then they switch the colors, you know, they try to they right. switch the colors, try and confuse everybody. Like, I, um, I remember my, my granddad was um, Democrat. And I, when I think back on it, I'm like, wait a minute. That's because when he was my, he was in World War World War One or was it World War Two? God, I can't. I get so confused about the timeline of. World War One is like nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen, and he was born in. Okay, so he was in World War Two. Thank you, Kim. And just the the I. So he the Democrats back then were the Republicans back then, and. and he, yeah. he wasn't a very political guy at all, but I just remember that there was. I just remember a conversation at one point in time. It was about Democrats versus Republicans. I was like, that's like the first time I learned that the the party switched, because he had a very different idea of what Democrats are than they are today. And um, because I did an interview for him for school one time, it was very cool. It was very eye opening. I remember he was telling me he was on a submarine, and they had taken all the bullets away, and that there was like a planes, enemy planes flying over, and they all pulled their guns out, and they all none of them had any bullets. Like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to throw the bullets up at him. Um, but, but yeah, they, they switched the parties back then, and they continue to do that. It's just a, it's like this constant barrage of attempting to co-op, you know, take over yeah. and take over, and things, things get, get transferred. And, you know, I, I've ranted a little bit, but I want to hear uh, about Christian nationalism before we go into okay. the XR, because I've seen some articles about this, and I knew that you would have some insight into it. 
Well, this is this is an interesting conversation that comes up um, because Jessica messaged me and she was like, why are people talking about Christian nationalism all of a sudden? And I was like, well, this is something that I've, I've heard more and more rumblings about over the past several years. Um, but the reason it's it's hitting a fever pitch is because uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene like said something about being a Christian nationalist, which right. there are, there are now think pieces about how if you are a Christian, you need to be a Christian nationalist, or you can't be a Christian if you're a Christian nationalist. There's all of this stuff that's going on, trying to paint them as um, people who would say they're Christian national nationalists as the militia types, the terrorists, and you know it's. First off, um, the people who call themselves Christian nationalists um, are dumb. Uh, sorry to say. I mean, if you call yourself that and that offended you, that's that's not how Christianity works. We don't. Yeah, we don't. The, the part we we don't too, do that. <laughs> by, by the way, so that and I think that what you're getting at right there, I think we should define what it really is versus yeah. w- what it's not because the definition that has been given out has been given out by CNN and MSNBC and Vox News and stuff like that which I heard that and I was like I don't know if that's actually the definition of of what it what it is or not and, and also they they are featuring the villain of this narrative as the person who started gab right yeah and he's Marley, a weird yeah. one he's a weird dude um but he does he does claim christianity and I think he would call himself a christian nationalist um, but I mean, it's so, you know, nationalism is, you know, you just love America. You love your country. You, you it's like ult, uh, uber patriotism. I think that this is how things should be. I read a piece yesterday from a guy who said that everyone who's Christian should be a Christian nationalist because obviously the, um, the uh what do they call the declaration of independence which the constitution was based on uh talked about the rights given to us by our creator and so obviously america was a christian nation and we need to lean into that and that means that everyone's equal and it doesn't mean that we're terrorists and it doesn't mean you know like it's these are just people like uh, i hate I, i can't give you a a great answer because i think both sides of these these people are wrong i think the people who are saying you can't be a christian nationalist and be a christian um are just saying that because they're progressive and i think the they're just looking in the mirror and seeing what they they know doesn't align with christianity because their progressivism doesn't the the abortion stuff all of that does not align with christianity as it were so and you so, find that progressivism doesn't align with Christianity in general. In general. And I also find that Christian nationalism doesn't align with Christianity either. Right. Like, I think both of these sides and, and are that's, people— That's interesting. I want to stop you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like, that is an interesting—it's just a, a point to, to emphasize, I think, because one of the oldest propaganda tactics in the book, and you read all the propaganda literature dating back 150 years, it is that you polarize ideas to where there is no gray area, there is no third idea, that it is yeah. either this or that, because that is how you get people to tribalize into one or the other. Once you start letting people get in that gray area, then you can start weakening both sides of it. And that's mm-hmm. that's not what they want. And what you're saying here, I think, is in that other area, is in that third yeah. opinion, because they're, they're trying to make it seem as though either you're a, a Christian nationalist on, on the most extreme, as you just described, or, or, or you're right. not. Yeah, you're and a that's fascist, the same or right. you're not. Right, so go ahead. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say that Christian nationalism is all, most of these people 
are talking about it is fascism. And I don't think it's necessarily um, white supremacy or white nationalism, even though those things fit in there far too nicely and far too connectedly for my taste. Um, but no, I, as, as a person who has looked into Christianity a lot, as a Christian, as a person who reads theology constantly and has tried, has tried to understand it and prayed about it and done all of this, like the entire book of Revelation is talking about um, the, the beast is a stand-in, is a metaphor for Babylon. Babylon being a stand-in for the state and people who, who use war and destroy Baghdad and Iraq because oil or because – and they lie about WNDs. Like Babylon is the state in a lot of ways because that's where the most violence comes out of. And so Christianity is based around the idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which means that, yes, we are in this world, but we're not of it. So from in, in my opinion, I think most Christians would be better off if they disconnected mostly from the political process completely and started changing their lives and started in, uh, like helping other people change their own lives so that they don't need this government crap anymore. Like, I think that there's, there's no place in it to be a nationalist. I think we are people, if you're a Christian, you're a, you're, you are an ambassador from another nation. And so if you're calling yourself a Christian nationalist and you, the nation you're talking about, isn't the kingdom of God. Yeah. You're not doing it right. Uh, yeah, I totally get it. That makes, <laughs> that, that's actually brings a lot of clarity to it to me. If you're a Christian nationalist, then you're not actually being what is called for, for a Christian in yeah, the Bible. In my opinion, <laughs> what I, I think mean, Jesus was, very clearly said, but you know, right. whatever. Jesus, Jesus wasn't like, <laughs> you know, you're welcome to the kingdom of heaven only if you're in this country well, or that country. Yeah, and, and, and look at what Jesus did. Everyone, everyone thought when Jesus or the Messiah would come that he would come and uh, protect them and save them from Rome and from political, the political system. But he didn't do that because that's not what it was about. And it never will be about that. It will never be about taking over the keys of Babylon, taking its sword and using it in the way we want to. It'll never be about making the Old Testament laws or New Testament laws or, you know, Baptist laws, the law of the United States. It'll never be about that. Christianity will never be about that. It's bigger and it's outside of that. I have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just have a baby just now? Unexpected? It just, it just walked in. But Cam just has babies left and right. You can never tell. They walk in. You have no idea. The other uh, one I hope got everything it. is okay over there. That's <laughs> very interesting stuff. So, what what, what did Marjorie Taylor Greene say uh, at when she made her position about Christian nationalism? I, I saw the article, but I didn't actually hear her statement or see what she was quoted as saying. All right, yeah, look that up, and, and I am interested in that because that is. Something that I noticed a, a while ago where they're trying to rope Christianity into the culture war, you know, not that people who are Christians don't rope themselves into it. I know the Gab founder, he has that position that he takes, but they it feels to me like they want to demonize all of Christianity and that this could be like a start to it. So I'm glad that you are making you're differentiating between Christianity yeah. and Christian nationalism because I do see them wanting to rope all of Christianity into a right wing thing, which is not a yeah. right wing thing. Right. Well, and so what she said um, in an interview with uh, the, the conservative Next News Network, never heard of that, 
at when she was at Turning Point USA Student Action Summit in Florida, she said, we need to be the party of nationalism. And I'm a Christian and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. Okay. And, but she, that's the, she didn't espouse further on that at all. Uh, I'm, okay. When, repro- when Republicans learn to represent most of the people that vote for them, then we'll be the party that continues to grow without out having to chase down certain identities or chase down certain segments of people. We just need to represent Americans and most Americans, no matter how they vote, really care about the same things. And I want to see Republicans actually do their job. You know, I've watched a couple of, uh, segments or interviews with her lately. I I didn't pay all that much attention to her at first, but she's gotten a lot of attention as as the enemy on the right wing. You know, the progressives paint her as kind of a a symbol of of what's wrong with the right wing and they try and tie her to Trump. And so I've watched more videos of her and I think she's, I think she's very charming, definitely very charming. I think she's smart. They try to make her out to be dumb. She's smart. But I also, I, I get the sense that she might not realize what she's gotten into, honestly. Yeah, well, I don't think most people do. I've read, I read an article, uh, like I said yesterday, from a guy who said that why Christians should all be Christian nationalists, and then I read another one about why I'm a Christian nationalist. And uh, like, I, I love people, and I don't want to talk crap about them, but they were the most. The arguments were so silly. They were not good. They were not smart arguments. And they, it was, it was like reading a, a seventh graders paper about why you should be a Christian nationalist. And I was just like, this, they don't have a defense. So when CNN does this and you see these terrible, extreme perspectives to try and represent and generalize all of a group. And I think that's what's going on here. Well, and that's the thing when you search for it, the things that you find, like I said, are really poorly argued, really poorly written. And it's like. What are we doing here? Right, if, if it gets somebody better go. to do it, and that's yeah, that, that's the whole idea. Is they want to get the craziest uh, representative of a point of view, so they can demonize well, not just that point of view, but also things that are loosely associated to that point yeah. of view. And I will say with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is actually, I think she she's smart, and I think that she gets misrepresented in the media all the time. I, I don't know anything about her background really. I've looked into it right. a little bit, but seeing the interviews that she does and whatnot. I, I, I don't know. I worry that she's a charming person who and she's probably figured it out a little bit by now, but I worry that she might not know or, or have um, anticipated what she might be up against. Although I, I hope that uh, I, I wish the best for her. I don't like to see her demonized on points of views that whether she represents them, if she represents this point of view or not, I, I don't know. I have no idea actually. Well, that's the thing. My, my friend Glenn uh, messaged me the other day because he does a podcast. He's out of New Zealand. And um, he was like, I really want to talk to a uh, a Christian who has a Master's of Divinity and does theological writing who is also a Christian nationalist and can really argue this point. I'd like to talk to someone. And I was like, well, I know a couple of people, but one of them's definitely not an MDiv. The other one's working on one, but none of their stuff that comes across my feed is smart. And so I'm like, I can, I can introduce you to these people, but these are the only two I know. And he goes, yeah, I ran into this other one and it was, his article was really stupid. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I I don't think you can find that. And you know, if I offend you by saying this and you're listening, 
I don't Sorry. think you're offending anybody, Cam. I think that you're somebody who actually does. Cam, for those who aren't aware, Cam has done a number of shows on on, on religion, on Christianity. Cam, he does a, a Bible study. He is not taking a. He's actually taking a, a very neutral position for someone who has the background that he does. So he has uh, the expertise and, and the insight to speak on this far more so than I do. So that's why I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. So I think you should check out some of um, your your old work uh, that you've done on on this subject, Cam. The conversations that you've had. Like, so uh, from my perspective, I remember going to college, and I remember that they have these groups in college. They have Baptist Student Union. They have what's it called? The other one, CSU or something like that. I can't remember what the other one's called. But one of them was more extreme than the other. And I remember when I went to college, I, I, you know, I I went out to the bars every single night. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I I was, I was, (laughs) I went out, I was partying a lot when I was in college. And I remember that up at the hill, as we walked to the clubs, that there was always somebody preaching something to me. And I I was never a big fan of, of, of forced religion on people. So I, I I was never a big fan of that type of stuff. But uh, what I did learn throughout my years in college is that there were people who, were very open-minded and realistic about life who spoke to you yeah. about religion. And then there were people who were very ideological and, and extreme kind of in the way the media portrays Marjorie Taylor Greene or others who they call you know, nationalist Christians, whether or not they are or not, I don't know. But yeah. what, I, what I discovered was that the people who were cool about it were very effing knowledgeable. And, and can actually make you start to question stuff and make yep. you, you know, start to realize things. And, and I, what I'm saying here is that Cam is someone who is more like that. He's not someone who is more on the extremes of that. So he is a good source of that type of information. I read – I, I saw two studies just the other day that uh, – because someone had gone online and said that Christians are more likely to be – uh, to believe lies, be more right-wing, and to be nationalists and engage in Christian nationalism. Someone had done studies about it. That is true for people who have not done the work, who are immature Christians, who are very new. But it is not true for mature Christians. They actually showed a deviation um, from Christian nationalism and uh, huge political um, leanings and, and fightings the more someone matured in their faith. Like they did, there's a study that says this, that it's, it's not true that Christians become nationalists. Usually the more mature ones don't. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it's very interesting. And, and, you know, Stacey Abrams parents both got divinity scholarships to go in theology, to go to Emory. I'm sure, I'm sure Warnock was also, one of the top schools, but but you know, it was after Stacy had received a bunch of her exclusive privileges to the World Economic Forum or the uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and and all uh, these other things, and and it's very interesting history with Stacy Abrams and, and religion as well. The way that she did you see that picture it. I tagged you in the other day, the one where she's at the swimming pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I saw that picture. That was a hilarious and disturbing picture. Cam tagged me in a picture. Where he made Stacey Abrams like everybody at a swimming pool, and <laughs> it, it, it was a pretty disturbing image, I have to say the least. Maybe we'll show it in the XR here. Which <laughs> in the XR, what I want to continue, what I want to talk about is I have a few more clips from that coll- collusion conference or collision conference, where it's called. You, you mentioned uh, the, the the Tower of Babel earlier, where it's the digital Tower of Babel, where they're talking about all the disinformation efforts going on right now. And I like to highlight this stuff because 
they are very much focusing on trying to claim that anybody who questioned the election is spreading disinformation when the fact is that that is provably not true. Like that is yep. provably not true that there have been legitimate issues that neither side have disagreed with that they've just given alternative explanations with. It was a mistake. It wasn't actual fraud. It was it was a problem, but they don't ever highlight those. And they don't ever highlight how these cases get railroaded when they try and get pursued further. So I want to play the disinformation stuff because it all relates to that. And we're going to do that in the XR. And you know maybe we'll we'll hear more about uh, Stacey Abrams at the swimming pool when we get to the XR <laughs> as well. So. Yeah. All right. So if you guys want to get access to that content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there or rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And you can get the video feed and interactive chat that we are having uh, in this show right now. So we will talk to you guys next time, next week. Have a fantastic week, fantastic weekend or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 